The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. You betcha. 6.33. That can only mean one thing. We are back and ready to have at her here on a Thursday evening. Good for uh, you to join us. Thank you so much, John School, Stan Fainzelberg from Sam Firu. Tamarkin LLP is your guy, the lawyer, carrying the load tonight, uh, as well as you. Want to hear your thoughts and questions for sure. Beyond that, email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And any other time you want more information and also contact, of course, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is how we do that. We're going to get through a bunch of email on the show tonight in between your phone calls. So phone lines are open, all kinds of open lines. Bring it on. We wait for your phone calls. And as we do that, we get into our uh, case of the day, thought of the day. Stan, what's going on, brother? Yeah, absolutely, John. Uh, Well, I want to talk about a recent trend that I've noticed in the courts where before, John, you know, we would talk about how high a standard it was to try to get something called punitive damages, or really just kind of what's called known as bad faith damages in terms of the conduct of one party rising to a standard that the court is going to award you something beyond the severance that you're already owed. But more recently, I've noticed that courts have been much more aggressive and willing to do to do just that. And this case, I think, kind of highlights this, this recent trend. So, John, in this case, an employee had worked for a hotel group, and he was just let go without cause. Really, it should have been a fairly straightforward termination between the parties if they were acting reasonably. But the the company in this instance really failed to act reasonably. In fact, the court specifically said that they were untruthful, misleading, and unduly insensitive and breached what was called the duty to act in good faith and contractual relations, something that's you know has been highlighted very recently by our courts. And so what did the employer ultimately do here, John? Well, it was, a, it was a number of small things that added up, really. So first of all, they failed to give this employee written notice of termination. Usually that's not a huge deal where you could just kind of convey that orally to somebody, just letting them know in conversation. But here specifically, you know, the person asked for it multiple times. They told them that he w- they would do it and then just refused to kind of do it in the end. They also didn't pay the the employee, his ESA entitlements on time. Again, that's been something that's been noted in a couple of cases now. Uh, They failed to reimburse the employee $17,000 of -of out-of-pocket expenses that he incurred on their behalf. They were essentially a dispute in terms of what interest would be owed. He wanted some sort of interest, but ultimately the court said that you should have paid the principal at least regardless. Uh, They actually tried to get this employee to resign before they terminate him something that I see, you know, employers try to do all the time, thinking they can get away with not paying employees just because they forced them to sign a resignation letter in a meeting. Uh, And beyond that, they also mislabeled his record of employment and delayed how long it took him to get EI. And the court looked at all of that and basically said that that amounted to a breach of their 
duty to act in good faith with this person who had really done nothing wrong. His his job was being eliminated for reasons beyond him. And it ended up awarding $15,000 on top of his severance for moral or bad faith damages that's known. So again, I think, first of all, a really good trend in the courts and one that's hopefully going to be something we see more often when employers act inappropriately. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how those trends begin. It just seems, you know, sometimes, Stan, it takes a case or two to put it over the edge, and then uh, it doesn't become an overflow, but it becomes more regular to have that thing ex- uh, exposed, right? Yeah, you, you really, once you have a, the first judge kind of put it in writing, you can quote that to other justices. Uh, that does carry a lot of weight, absolutely. Yeah. Want to get into some emails here. Uh, we'll get to a couple before we take our first break. Tatha is first as guys. My employer refused to give me a raise. Can I quit and use constructive dismissal? Mm. Well, Tatha, a constructive dismissal means that the employer is changing a fundamental term of your employment relationship that you don't have to accept. In this instance, you're the one who's actually trying to change the employment relationship. You're the one who's asking for a raise. And the employer doesn't have to necessarily legally give you a raise. Uh, There's no requirement in any statute that says you have to get a raise. Uh, Really, the only requirement is that they meet the minimum wage laws in the ESA. So unfortunately, that would not be a constructive dismissal. It, It doesn't rise to the level necessary. Let's get to a, another email here. It's going to be uh, Ike this time around. says, guys, my employer wants to get rid of my annual bonus because they're saying they cannot afford to pay it anymore. This is a huge, huge part of my compensation. It's about a third, and I cannot afford myself to lose this money. Do I have any options here? See, unlike Tatha's situation, Johns, this is something that Ike is already you know, entitled to. This is a bonus that he's gotten before, uh, and it's obviously an integral point portion of his compensation, the third is a lot of money in any situation. So uh, again, unlike Tatha's situation where she didn't have an entitlement to a raise, Ike is already entitled to his bonus and that's something they're taking away, essentially being a fundamental change in his employment agreement and one that he can treat as a constructive dismissal and walk away and call it a termination. Let's take that uh, first break as we get a couple of calls lined up here and return to more of your uh, your emails as well. Send one along. you got lots of time. Let's bring it on. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we continue Thursday night edition. Employment Law Show rolls on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. It is 642, so you still got lots of time to join us here on air. On this edition of the show, Stan Faisalberg is your guy now and following this show to reach out with any questions. You want to have more of a uh, you know one-on-one chat with Stan or a member of his uh, particular team, you can do so. That's one 821 5900 the email address you can use and the one we also use on air here. Every weeknight is, uh, every night actually, is help at uh, employmentlawyer.ca. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And beyond that, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the website with all the knowledge. One-stop shop, really. You can go there even before you uh, you make that phone call. But, Joanne, thanks for hanging on for a couple of moments. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for taking the time this evening. What's uh, what's going on with you? What's your concern? So my concern is I'm in the uh, leadership role at the hospitality industry, hotels, I would say, in sales. 
and um, the ownership is hesitant. We made our year-end goals, and they are being hesitant in wanting to pay us out on that bonus, uh, making up excuses that is, has nothing to do with my area of work. Can I treat this as constructive dismissal? And also, I was kind of told and seeing what has happened is because I have so, if I do resign, whether it be constructive dismissal or not, they're hesitant on to pay out any phone, I mean, sorry, any vacation that's been banked. If you've got a, quite a bit of um, dollars banked in your vacation, all at once. They want to do it, like, basically keep you on payroll for and get paid out on your vacation bi-weekly. And that's nowhere stated in my contract. So, sorry, you mentioned the bank vacation. I was having some difficulty hearing you, and I think you said you were not paying you out some bonus at the beginning. Is that right? Pardon me, I did. Sorry, I couldn't hear that. I was saying, did you say at the beginning that you were having, that they weren't paying you out a bonus that they owe you? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that that could absolutely be a constructive dismissal itself. Uh, it it depends ultimately on how big a percentage it is of your total income. Usually, anything around the ten percent mark or above is a constructive dismissal. In terms of banked 25%. vacation, yeah, yeah then then I. It, it, if it's something you've already earned, if it's something you have a historical uh, history of getting every year, and again, it depends specifically on any language in the contract if there is anything like that. But if, it, if it's something you get every year, and if it's something that you've earned based on specific metrics, then they absolutely owe it to you. And if they don't refuse to pay it to you, it's like they're refusing to pay you salary or wages of any other kind. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and what is what about the if I do go that route, or if I just resign? What about the vacation pay? Again, you have to look at your contract to see if it speaks to that. But if it, you are owed X amount of vacation every year, and they allow you to roll it over, then they owe yes. you at the end as well, and they have to pay it out. Okay, can they pick? And they decide on how they want to pay it out, whether, like, um, instead of a lump sum, can they turn to me and say, well, we're, we don't want to pay out the $15,000 you have banked in vacation already. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to just going to keep you on payroll and pay you out your vacation biweekly. Yeah, what's called salary continuance. Uh, exactly. With yeah, I believe with a vacation pay, they have to pay it up front as a lump sum amount. But, you know, if the company has payroll issues or something like that, it, it always helps to be reasonable and work with them if you're coming to some sort of agreement. But they do it, owe it to you upon termination, yes, as, a, as one amount. Okay. And let's just say I was to resign, whether it be constructive or on my own, and I mm -hmm. find another job within, let's just say that I was to resign in and I agreed to the bi-weekly payment, and two weeks later, or three weeks later, whatever it may be, I, I find another employment. They have to still continue to pay that to me, or? For the bank vacation, it's like a earned wages, something that you've already earned 
previously and that they have to pay to you regardless. It's not subject to what you're thinking of, which is mitigation. That's only something that applies to your severance. Uh, it doesn't apply to wages that you've already earned by working there, including okay. vacation pay, which is the same thing. Okay. Okay. But if I am entitled to severance because it's proven that it's um, constructive dismissal, and I, I've been with them for 11 years, and it is, it is severance, then they would have to pay me that out. Am I correct? If I'm eligible for that. Correct. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your advice. Thank you, Joanne, for uh, for uh, coming on the show tonight. Again, going forward, if you need uh, or have any more questions for Stan and his team, you can always reach out after the show. Not a problem. Help at employmentlawyer.ca if you want to use your email or simply uh, 1-855-821-5900. So there you go. Moving on down to tomorrow. Quick email here to Stan. How do I know if I've been wrongfully terminated and entitled to money? Yeah, John, this is a question I hear on occasion from clients as well because they they have this understanding that being wrongfully terminated means something more than, you know, just being let go from your job because, you know, they hear the word wrongful and they think it means that the employer did something really heinous to you. Kind of how we were talking about in the case uh, with at the top of the uh, half hour, but wrongful termination is just a legal term. It just means that you've been let go and not provided with enough severance. So how do you know if you've been wrongfully terminated? Well, you know, if you've been terminated, then you're likely been wrongfully terminated. You should speak to a lawyer and see what your severance really is. Simple answer for you there, Tamara, for a short email. Again, same thing to you if you want to reach out after the show. Mikey's up next. This guy's had an agreement with my boss that I would go off and get migraine headaches looked at. Was off five weeks. When I came back, he sent me to his other business in another town, which wasn't our original agreement. When I protested, he said it was his business. He can do what he wants. Is that true? John, there's a, a couple of things I would say going on in this question. First, you have the the, the question of, is it a constructive dismissal by making this person go work at a different location? Mm-hmm. And that depends partially on you know how much distance and inconvenience we're talking about. If he's telling you just to go work you know in a, diff- a town that's five minute drive from where you are, you know that's a lot different than telling you to go work two hours in a different direction. Uh, one is a pretty clear breach of contract and constructive dismissal, and the other one uh, is probably not. And the other thing that's going on here, John, is the fact that he this person was on a medically approved sick leave, and he's coming back from that. And when you're coming back from medically approved sick leave, you have certain rights, including the right to your job back uh, if it's available in the exact way that it was presumably five weeks ago for Mike. So, you know, ap- he definitely doesn't have to accept this uh, and can speak to a lawyer about both the constructive dismissal and the human rights violation here. We'll move on down. Mikey, thanks for the uh, thanks for the email. You still have some time as well here tonight. 416-870-6400 is how you reach us and get on air with us. Janice is coming up next. And everybody, that email, uh, by the way, that we use is help at employmentlawyer.ca says, I am six months pregnant and my company just terminated me. I was a very high performer, but things seemed to change after I told them I was pregnant a couple months ago. All of a sudden, I'm terminated. How do I prove that they terminated me because of the pregnancy and my request for an 18-month maternity leave? This is a story we have heard before, Stan. How do you handle that? 
Yeah, it, it's it's tough, Janice. As you can imagine, I mean, co companies aren't really naive anymore. They're not sending emails saying, let's let Janice go because she told us she wants a long maternity leave yeah. or she's pregnant. Uh, and it all comes down to just having circumstantial evidence uh, and putting all as much of those threads together, like you've noticed here, that you kind of said that there's a change in attitude as immediately as you let them know about this. Uh, and the other part of this is that you know, the, the law recognizes that it's difficult to sometimes prove a human rights violation. And that's why the way the test works from a legal perspective is that the first question really is, is there a different kind of treatment that somebody's experienced based on a ground that we protect under the human rights code? So here, it would be clear, you know, Janice is pregnant, which is clearly a, a protected ground under the human rights code. And then secondly, she was terminated and others presumably weren't. So that's what we, you know, we would call prima facie, uh, a prima facie violation of the, her human rights. And the second part of the test goes to the employer to essentially say, okay, can you show that you had a reasonable reason for doing this? That was nothing in, in no way essentially related to Janice's pregnancy. And, and another key point here, John, is that when it comes to a human rights violation, it doesn't have to be the only reason that you terminate somebody or do whatever it is that you've done, or even, you know, the, the main reason. The, the tribunal has said multiple times that even if 1% of the reason, you know, that in this case Janice got terminated was because of the pregnancy leave or the request for maternity leave or whatever, that is a human rights violation and discrimination. Back to the phones. Grace, thanks for taking the time. Good evening. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Wonderful. What's uh, what's going on with you? So this is a situation. Um, I, I'm calling on really not behalf of myself, but a lot of other co-workers um, with a company that uh, we knew things were going downhill due to the fact that um, they were in an enormous amount of an enormous amount of debt. And um, we fell into receivership the end of October. Slowly, slowly, they started letting us, uh, letting us go. I wasn't let go until the first week of January, right after the holidays. Um, and basically, they said that what they were going to give us was a whatever vacation was owed, which I decided to take it earlier just to make sure I got paid my vacation time, as well as... Um, WEPA, W-E-P-P-A, that yeah. we would be able to apply for some kind of um, mm -hmm. reimbursement of some sort. Again, I was only there for a couple of years. Uh, but the reason for my call is, is there any way, I mean, we there's employees that have been there 20, 25 plus years that all of a sudden have been let go with basically just getting whatever vacation pay was owed and now waiting to fill out this WEPA application. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very sorry to hear that, but the reality is that when you have a bankruptcy, it literally means that the company has more uh, liabilities than assets mm -hmm. to pay all the mm -hmm. creditors. And in this case, you know, all those people who got terminated become unsecured creditors, meaning they fall in line with basically everybody else in terms of divvying up what assets are left. Uh, in terms of WEPA, it, it's something that will cover your, a person's statutory notice entitlements uh, and any vacation pay that they were owed and, and then wages as well. 
specifically the statutory notice entitlements. But even in the case of somebody who's been there for 20 plus years, that's only going to be eight weeks. You know, beyond that, unless you can prove that, you know, they, the company was defrauded by whoever and stole the money and you can oh, go I after see. them. I, I understand. There's, there's not much else you can do. I mean, the company has no money. That's the okay. unfortunate. But, yeah. Okay. So there aren't any other um, avenues that somebody could take to say, you know, I've invested this much time, et cetera. So they're, they're technically, um, we were told that there is some kind mm-hmm. of government um, application that can be put in in regards to collecting some type of severance. But I, again, it wasn't very clear. I'm assuming they were probably mm-hmm. talking about the WEPA. Yeah, I, I, it could be that. Or also when a company goes into a bankruptcy, you know, there's a trustee who sends out, once you're a registered creditor of the, of the, the company, they send out all the creditors uh, documents that speak to how you can apply to, you know, divvy up whatever assets there might be. So you can look into that as well. But in terms of government programs, it's probably WEPA. Okay. So uh, my last question would be mm-hmm. on the day of, um, the, you know, obviously resignation or what, you know, unfortunately where your services are no longer needed, blah, 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. My question is, should the paperwork have been given the actual day um, in terms of the WEPA application? Or is it just that they said, expect an email? I'm not sure there's a specific requirement on the employer to give you that paperwork. Uh, It's just information that's available. It's a government program that you can apply to online, I believe. Okay, so it is just something that could be you could you could just go on your own and apply online. Um, these words were basically told to us by the receivership to basically to say, mm-hmm. well, wait for our email. Um, there is something else that now. If does longevity matter with the WEPA? So if somebody, I was there for instance only two years. Yeah, it it, it does matter only in the sense okay. in the sense that you get a week per year, but the maximum is going to be eight weeks. Grace, we got to let you go. We are out of time. Again, follow up with a phone call with more info for more info with Stan after the show and beyond. You could do so. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Got to fly. The number 1-855-821-5900. We'll catch you next time right here the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your night. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.